Hello. We are so glad that you have chosen to stream this audio, and we hope it will encourage you in your faith and your walk towards Christ-likeness. As a side note, we pray that this audio sermon is just supplemental in your relationship with Christ, and in no way replaces the church you are plugged into or the pastor that God has put in your life to shepherd and care for your soul. And so with that said, please enjoy this sermon. We have prayed that God would use it in your life. Well, it is a blessing to be together this morning. I'm so thankful for Pastor Cameron, all the work that he does. Um, I'm not sure after that Mother's Day recognition time that he'll be here next week, but <laughs> thankful for him for this week. Anyway, I'm going to change that up a bit, I think. We come this morning and we're so very thankful uh, for the blessing of mothers, motherhood, and um, and I'm going to speak to mothers today, but I think that as we look at the scriptures, that uh, the things that we're going to find here, the principles that we're going to, to pull out of the text uh, and the story uh, are some things that will apply to all of us as we all are attempting to live in a way that is faithful to Christ, uh, attempting to, whether it's parent or grandparent or pour our lives into those around us in other ways through, uh, through the ministry of the church, and so there, these principles that we'll find here are going to be very helpful for all of us here this morning. I'm going to speak, though, directly to mothers as we go throughout this time in this message. But um, mothers, you have the potential to shape lives in a unique way. You have the ability to, uh, to nurture lives in a very unique way that oftentimes uh, people do not have uh, otherwise. And so there are some real important things that I want you to take away from this message time today. So whether or not you're a mother or a grandmother or a spiritual mother in, in some way to, uh, to those around you, uh, whatever your role is that God has given you, uh, you have been called by him to live by faith. And I think that is the, the issue that we want to focus in on this morning, is what it means, whether you're a mother or not a mother, whether you're uh, just a, a follower of Christ uh, as we all hopefully are, um, what does it mean to live by faith, to walk in a way that is worthy of the gospel in a faithful way toward God? So this morning, we're going to consider uh, the woman in the scriptures by the name of Hannah. Uh, Hannah, we find her story in 1 Samuel, and we'll look at that in just a moment, but she was a very unique person, um, unique in some ways, but not unique in other ways. Uh, she didn't really have special abilities. Um, she, you know, wasn't the talk of the town. Uh, she was not really respected. Um, she, um, she, she, she struggled in that, in that area. She, she wasn't a wealthy woman. She wasn't uh, super educated. Um, but what was she? She was faithful. She was faithful. She lived her life by faith. And that's what I want us to focus in on this morning. So as we look at this story, I want us to to pull out four keys to living by faith. And so if you have your Bible, we're going to start together by reading 1 Samuel chapter 1. We're going to read down to verse 8. We'll look at a variety of portions of this, this story as we move throughout this time together. It says, There was a certain man of Ramathim Zophim of the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah. And the son of Jehoram, son of Elihu, son of Tohu, son of Zuk, and Ephrathite. He had two wives. 
The name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Panina. And Panina had children, but Hannah had no children. Now this man used to go up year by year from his city to worship and to sacrifice to Yahweh of armies at Shiloh, where the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were priests of Yahweh. On the day when Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to Penina, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters, but to Hannah he gave a double portion, or a choice portion, because he loved her, though the Lord had closed her womb. And her rival used to provoke her grievously to irritate her, because Yahweh had closed her womb. So it went on year by year. As often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. Therefore, Hannah wept and would not eat. And Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? And why do you not eat? Why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? And after they had eaten and drunk in Shiloh, Hannah rose. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. And she was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow and said, O Yahweh of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall touch his head. Let's pray just for a moment. God, we ask that as we look at this story together that you would open it before us, that we might understand what it means to be people, to live by faith. So God, we pray that you would help us through your spirit to glean from this text these important things this morning. We ask all of it in Jesus' name, amen. So the first principle that I want you to take away this morning is this, living by faith means you have to be faithful during the trial. Now, the reality is all of us are going to experience trials. You're either coming out of one, you're in one right now, or you're about to head into one. Trials are something that happen to everyone. And so as people of God, as mothers, you must be faithful during the trial. Now, you look at the story of Hannah, and we see a woman who is experiencing trial. In verse 2, the author shows us this woman, Hannah. And Hannah was probably the first wife of Elkanah since she's listed before Penina is, but Hannah was unable to have children. And so Elkanah probably married another woman in order to hopefully have an heir that would be able to pass down his lineage. Now there's a big difference here when we look at this man Elkanah. He doesn't really show up in the scriptures as someone that people talk about, but what we find here is a man that is, is in deep contrast with the men that we find in the book of Judges. Elkanah is not an ungodly man. In fact, he is a godly man. He, he's different from what seems to be the norm for Israelites during that time period. In verse 3, we see that he is annually going up with his family to the city of Shiloh. And why is he doing this? Because it's commanded. You will go and you will worship the Lord. He's going up to Shiloh. He's taking his family. They're worshiping there at the tabernacle. And, and he's giving sacrifices to God. Now, this was what the scriptures had told them to do. And so by leading his family, family in these annual trips to Shiloh, it's obvious that this man is, is spiritually committed. He desires to do what it is that God has told him to do. And so he is submissive to the law of God. Now, during these days of, 
of feasting at Shiloh, each mother would receive a portion of food according to the amount of children that they had. And then we find Hannah. Benita receives a larger portion than Hannah because she had many children. And probably a, a better translation of verse 5 would say something like this. And though Elkanah loved Hannah, he would give her only one choice portion because the Lord had given her no children. So Hannah was infertile. She couldn't have children. But then the author tells us why. It doesn't leave us kind of wondering in the dark why this was going on. It says that the Lord was the one who had caused her womb to be barren. But why? Why would he do this to her? Well, in ancient times, a, a woman who was unable to have children was considered cursed by God, according to the people. We know that that's not the case now as we think about some of the things that we've learned over the last couple thousand years. But here she is. She's, she's being scorned by those in her community, even by her own family. They look at her with disdain, thinking that all of this suffering is because of something that she has done. She is cursed by God, so they are disapproving of her. They're judging her. And this woman, this second wife, Hanina, her rival, she is con continually criticizing her, scorning her. But it says that Elkanah loved Hannah. Now, is there any question? Is she experiencing a trial? Yes. She's experiencing a trial. You know what's amazing is when we think about trials, God, He's not a little God. He's not a God that has no control over what's going on in the world. But God allows us, in His sovereignty, to experience trials. It happens all of the time. He, he, he gives His children trials in life. And the purpose of the trial is that we would grow in our faith in God. And that through the trial, through the walking through the difficult time, we are made more dependent upon Him. We are shaped. We are transformed to look more like Him as a result. The problem is sometimes when we're going through the trial, we question God, don't we? We question God. We, we question God's motives. Well, if God really loved me like He said He loves me, then I would not have to go through this. We question His love. We question His goodness. If God was really good, why would He allow this particular thing to happen in my life? We question God's justice. But look what Hannah does. Does Hannah do any of those things? No. She doesn't. She doesn't question the goodness of God. She doesn't question the motives of her, her God. She doesn't question the justice of of God. And I think that's really important as we consider what it means to be a people that live by faith. If you're going to be a faithful Christian, if you're going to be a faithful woman, a faithful wife, a faithful mother, if you're going to live by faith, then you have to be faithful during the trial. And it's really easy to be faithful during the times of harvest, isn't it? I mean, we experience that all the time. It's really easy to be faithful when everything is going the way that you want it to go. When everything's falling right into place, place there's, there's enough money to go around for the month. There's, everyone has enough clothes to wear. Everybody has good clothes to wear. The cars are all running correctly. And no one is sick at your house, right? It's easy to do things the right way when all that stuff's in line. Well, friends, it's through the trial that you grow. If a plant never experienced the heat of the sun, it would have a stunted growth, wouldn't it? Well, it's the same for us spiritually. 
If we don't experience the trials, if we don't experience the heat of life, our spiritual growth will be stunted. God does not want stunted believers. He wants to encourage growth. He does that through trials. Hannah is going through a trial because God allowed her to go through a trial. Why does he do this? Well, because the trial made Hannah more dependent, didn't it? Made her more dependent upon God. And in the end, God is the one who receives the glory from her life. And she was faithful even though it was hard. Now, think about the trials in your own life. Sometimes we come to these kinds of days and we're reminded of things that are happening in our own life, the difficulties that we've gone through. Maybe you, you have grown children now who have turned away from the Lord. You raised them the way that you thought you should have raised them, and now it's as if they just drifted off in their own direction, and you struggle because you really want to see them walking close with the Lord again. Maybe, maybe you've experienced the loss of children, whether they were miscarriages or whether they were full grown and you you miss them you desire what once was or what could have been and there is hurt and there is pain there maybe your trial is like Hannah's and you you've struggled for years and you were never able to have children there's fear there whatever the difficulty is with the loss of a relationship a loved one a brokenness and a covenant marriage whatever it might be The question you have to ask yourself is, what is God trying to do with me through the trial? How how is this trial, when I look at the difficulty of life that is presented before me, how is this trial making me more like Jesus? Am I responding correctly to the heat in my life? Or am I not? If Hannah had not gone through this time of barrenness, Do you think she would have given her firstborn son to the Lord? Probably not. Probably not. And so the Lord brings her through this period of of great difficulty, this trial, so that she would give her son to the Lord's service out of gratitude and joy to do so. And as a result, this one man would change the trajectory of the entire nation. Moms, whatever your trial is, It's easy to think that God has forgotten. It's easy to think that there's difficulties and no one seems to care. But the truth is, God desperately cares. Look at verse 19. What does it say there? It says, Elkanah knew Hannah and God remembered her. Had God forgotten Hannah? Had he forgotten what, what Hannah was dealing with? No. God doesn't forget his children. God doesn't forget... He he doesn't always answer with yes, but he always remembers you. And he always, this is important to remember, always does what is best. Reminded of Romans 8 when Paul talks about, he says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it. In hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption. And obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Listen to what he says down in verse 28. He says, this is something that all of us are hopefully familiar with. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. 
And God is working in your life. God isn't forgetting you. No matter your difficulty, no matter your struggle, God hasn't forgotten you. God is always about the good. God is always working everything in this world, in your life, for the betterment of you. Now, it doesn't always feel like it's a betterment for you. But in the end, God is working all things together for good for those who are called according to his purposes. God doesn't forget his children. So be faithful during the hard times. Be faithful during the trial. Second principle, be faithful in prayer. Be faithful in prayer. Look what it says there in verse 9. We just read this. He says, after they had eaten and drunk in Shiloh, Hannah rose. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of Yahweh. She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow and said, O Yahweh of armies, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord. All the days of his life, and no razor shall touch his head. Verse 12. As she continued praying before the Lord, Eli observed her mouth, and Hannah was speaking in her heart. Only her lips moved, and her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli took her to be a drunken woman. And Eli said to her, How long will you go on being drunk? Put your wine away from you. He's like, Woman, you are sloshed at the temple. What are you doing? come to church drunk. Go ahead and go home. Verse 15. But Hannah answers, No, my Lord, I'm, I'm a woman troubled in spirit. I've drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I've been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman, for all along I've been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. Then Eli answered, Go in peace. And the God of Israel Grant your petition that you have made to him. And she said, let your servant find favor in your eyes. Then the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. They rose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord, and they went back to their house at Ramah, and Elkanah knew Hannah his wife, and the Lord remembered her. Verse 10. Hannah weeps, doesn't she? She weeps, and, and, and just a literal translation would be, in the bitterness of soul. She weeps. It hurts. There is pain. And, and this phrase is used a couple of different times in the Old Testament, but it, 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 it focuses in on that emotional pain experienced by one who has lost a child through death. It's devastating. It's painful. This kind of pain is internal suffering of the worst kind. And it cannot be removed by human means. And so what does she do? She goes to the Lord. She goes to the temple. Hannah is a godly woman. And through the the agonizing pain, the suffering, the trial that she's experiencing, she is becoming a theologian. Martin Luther once wrote this. He said, a trial is the touchstone which teaches you not only to know and understand, but also to experience how right, how true, how sweet, how lovely, how mighty, how comforting God's Word is. Wisdom beyond all wisdoms. Now, notice how Hannah addresses God in prayer. Look what she says again. She says, O Lord of hosts, 
Oh, Yahweh of armies, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but you will give to your servant a son, then I will give to him the, to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall touch his head. So the, through the prayer, she, she recognizes who God is, doesn't she? she? She offers her prayer to the one who made the heavens and the earth. She literally calls him, I said this, Yahweh of armies, the Lord, all caps, is Yahweh. It's the covenantal name of God here. She addresses him as the one who is, the one who was, and the one who is to come. The, the one who owns all of the host. He is the one who gives life. He is the one who sustains life. She understands who he is. She understands who she is in relationship to this God. She humbles herself before God. And in faith, she, she makes a covenant here. She makes a vow with God. If he will bless her with a child, she will give that child back to him completely. When you pray, you pray like Hannah. You pray for your children. Do you recognize who you're talking to? That he is the God of who gives life. He is the God who sustains life. He is the God who has made all things and he makes all things possible. That's the God that you're praying to. Do you recognize who you are before this God as you pray? Is your focus when you're praying for your children, for those you're pouring your life into through discipleship, for those in your family who need Christ, when you focus your prayers, are you looking to Jesus Christ as being the influencing relationship upon them. It's going to change them. He's going to make them into something different. Are you focusing your prayers on their soul? Friends, of mothers, you have a, a great responsibility. It's a good responsibility, but it's a great one. You have the ability in unique ways to influence your children, whether they're toddlers or they're 60. You have the opportunity to influence them in amazing ways. You have the potential to shape their hearts, their minds, to bring about an overwhelming impact for the kingdom of Christ. It's not just mothers, it's parents. We have the greatest responsibility for our children to raise them, to raise them to love God, to raise them to think about the things of God. Godly children oftentimes grow up to be godly adults as they are impacted by the Word on a regular basis and God calls them to life through Christ. And so we have the responsibility of giving them a solid foundation through the influence of discipleship. We have to be tenacious in our prayer for our children, just as Hannah. So faithfulness in prayer is essential, but we also must be faithful when commitment is hard. When commitment is hard. Notice Hannah's commitment to give this burden to the Lord. Notice this, as Hannah finishes her prayer, it says that she went on her way. She had not been eating, right? She was destitute. She was despondent. What does it say? She went on her way. She grabbed some food. She began to eat. And her face, it says, was no longer sad. So she approached the Lord in the depths of despondency. But then as she leaves, she leaves elevated, transformed 
by this encounter with the Lord. She leaves the temple with great confidence that God, her God, heard her prayers and that he was going to answer her prayers. Ladies, do you have that kind of faith this morning? All of us, do we have that kind of faith? We come to the Lord, we make a request, and it can be an impossible thing. It can be a big thing. It can be something about regular life. It doesn't matter. We come to the Lord, we request of the Lord. What kind of faith do we have? Do we leave carrying the same burdens that we came in with, or do we walk out different? Do you doubt? Or is there commitment to your faith? Maybe you, you're here this morning and you have something big on your plate. And you're struggling. You want to give it to the Lord. You have a burden. You want to give it to the Lord. But you're, you're just struggling. You're doubting. Make your prayer the same kind of prayer that we find in Mark chapter 11 where the man who has a son who has a demon comes to the Lord and he says, Lord, I, I want to believe, but help my unbelief. God doesn't look upon people disdainfully when they struggle with belief. He asks that we pray, that we ask Him to help us with our unbelief. God wants to give you the blessing. Even though your situation may look impossible, God, He's all about the impossible. Hannah conceives, it says in the text, by the power of God. And so that burden she was struggling with, God has answered her prayer. Look at verse 24. It says, And when Hannah had weaned him, Samuel, she took him up with her along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour, and a skin of wine, and she brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. The child was young. And they slaughtered the bull, and they brought the child to Eli, and she said, O my Lord, as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who is standing here in your presence praying to Yahweh for this child I prayed and Yahweh has granted me my petition that I made to him. Therefore, I have lent him to the Lord. I love that. I've loaned him to the Lord, given him over to the Lord. And as long as he lives, he is lent to the Lord. There's a stewardship there, isn't there? The reality is we have children and the blessing is ours, but they're just alone. We are stewards of God's children. So we ought to give to them or give them to the Lord in, in such a way. Moms, are you committed to God's work in the lives of your kids? Whatever that might look like. Whether they're going to go off far to the ends of the earth doing hard things. Whether they're going to move across the country and do difficult things for the Lord. Whether they're going to stay right here they're going to minister in the local church. Whatever they're going to do, do you have this kind of a commitment to see whatever it is, God's work in your children's lives flourish? Be faithful when the commitment is hard and the giving is hard. And lastly, be faithful through a life of worship. The beautiful song that Hannah gives to us here in 1 Samuel chapter 2. Just read that with me. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 1. And she is reflecting upon the goodness of God. She reflects upon what it is that God has done in her life. This is what she says. She says, My heart exalts in Yahweh. 
My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. There is none holy like the Lord, for there is none beside you. There is no rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly. Let not arrogance come from your mouth, for Yahweh is a God of knowledge, and by Him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty are broken, but the feeble bind on strength. Those who were full have hired themselves out for bread, but those who were hunger, hungry have ceased to hunger. The barren has borne seven, but she who has many children is forlorn. Yahweh kills and brings to life. He brings down to Sheol and he raises up. Yahweh makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and he exalts. He raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts up the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are Yahweh's and all them he has set the world upon. He will guard the feet of his faithful ones, but the wicked shall be cut off in darkness. For not by might shall a man prevail. The adversaries of Yahweh shall be broken to pieces. Against them he will thunder in heaven. Yahweh will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. Well, that's a prayer, isn't it? That's a woman who knows God. If you want to be faithful through a life of worship, just make just a couple of observations about her prayer. First of all, Hannah finds her identity in God, doesn't she? Verse 1, it says her heart exalts in God. Her horn is exalted, meaning she lives victoriously because God is in her life. She's resting in the glorious victory of God because He is the one who leads her. We also see that Hannah trusts in the goodness of God. It says, verse 4, the bows of the mighty are broken, but the feeble bind on strength. God is about helping those who are hurting, bringing hope to those who are hopeless. She believes in the promises of God. Verse 5, the barren has borne seven, but she who has many children is forlorn. The promises that God has given to her, the trust and the resting that she has placed in the covenant that she's made with Yahweh, she believes Him. And lastly, she rests in the might of God, doesn't she? I love this. Verses 9 and 10, it says, He will guard the feet of His faithful ones. Isn't that beautiful? Those times when you're walking in difficult places through hard trials and it's so very easy to stumble and fall and hurt yourself and continue this downward spiral because of the trial. It says that God, He guards the feet. He's keeping watch over your feet. He is carefully watching that you might not stumble in the trial. It goes on, it says, but the wicked shall be cut off in darkness. For not by might shall a man prevail. It's not by our own strength that we get through the trial, right? It's not because of, because of your strength or because of your cleverness or because of your wisdom that you're able to walk and navigate your way through the trial. It's only through God that you can get through the trial. She believed God. And He guarded her. And He did not forget her. God used Hannah's faithfulness to bring about the greatest judge 
that Israel would ever have. Mothers, you are influencing. Influencing this world in ways that you don't even know yet. As you love and as you care for your children. Hannah would have never probably thought that Samuel would have been used so mightily by God. She would have never considered that. She probably would have thought that he was going to live and work as a, as a hired hand, more or less, in the temple complex. And that would have been the extent of it. But she gave him to the Lord because that was the promise. She had no idea that he would be so influential to Israel. So when you look at your children, you think about your children, you look at their faces, you're looking into their eyes. Maybe you're looking into the eyes of the next Hudson Taylor. Hudson Taylor was one of the greatest missionaries in the last couple of hundred years. As he went into inland China, places that had never heard the gospel, and he began a movement sharing the gospel in China. Or Lottie Moon, whom we honor every year as Southern Baptist, as she gave of her own life eventually for the gospel's proclamation in China. Or missionaries like John Patton. Most of us probably here this morning have no idea who John Patton was. John Patton was a missionary. He was a missionary to the South Sea Cannibals. Nobody knows his name, but you know, someone remembers his name, and that's God. Or Will, Will, William Wilberforce, man who ended the slave trade effectively in England. He was fighting for those who were hurting, fighting for the broken, fighting for those who were in need. Whatever it might be, God is shaping and using your children. You have no idea the impact that your life will have as you continue to work and pour your life into those that God has given you. So this morning, as you think about motherhood, do you think of motherhood as a gift from God? Because it is. He's enabled you to influence the hearts and minds of your children for the glory of God. And so I encourage you, whether you are mothering now, little ones, or whether your little ones have grown up to be big ones, or whether you're mothering in a spiritual way to so many, whatever it is, don't be passive about it. Don't think it's just going to work out in the end. Be intentional about the way that you raise them and the way that you pour your life into them. And as we've learned from Hannah, be faithful through the trials because they're watching you. Be faithful to pray for your children on a regular basis. Be faithful when the commitment is hard as you even give them over to the Lord and His Word. And be faithful to model a life of worship before you. Let us be a people who live by faith. Let's pray. God, would you help us this morning as we think about these things? Help us because, Lord, we don't have the strength to be people who live by faith. We are in desperate need of your Holy Spirit. We're in desperate need of your strength. And God, I lift up mothers here today. In whatever capacity, Lord, that you have allowed and chosen them to mother, I pray, God, that you would encourage their hearts by this message. Lord, that they would not leave here discouraged, thinking all these things that they should be doing and are not doing, or things that they wished were true about them but are not true about them. But God, I pray that you would encourage their hearts knowing that Hannah, Lord, Hannah was not anyone special, but you used her to bring about glory and honor for yourself. And Lord, in the same way, all of us, as we come here this morning, Lord, we are, it's not about who we are, but it's about who you are. 
And so, God, I pray that you would encourage moms this morning. I pray that you would encourage uh, followers of Christ this morning, that we would be a people who are faithful to you, that we would live lives of faithfulness supported and strengthened by your Holy Spirit to do so. God, we pray these things in the strong name of Jesus Christ.